Over 60% of Americans don't have a plan in place for their estate and how it's going to be handled after they die. And you know what, no matter what age you are, if you're an adult and you have any assets whatsoever, you should have an estate plan. Welcome to Getting Money Right with Leo Sabo and David Thompson. Today we're talking about estate planning and what you need to know about wills and living trusts so you can be prepared to manage your assets and leave the most to your heirs. Yeah, that's right, Leo. Over 60% of Americans don't have any kind of plan in place for how their estate will be handled after they die. Six in 10 people. It blows me away. And uh, yeah, I've heard the excuses. I've heard the idea of, well, I'm just, you know, I'm in good health. I'm young. I don't need to worry about it. But if you don't have a plan in place, uh, what's going to happen to the cash in your bank account? What's going to happen to your kids? If you have minors uh, and, and you have kids, who's going to watch out for them? What's going to happen? If you don't have it on paper in place, that's a big deal. So over 60%, no matter what age you are, if you're an adult and you have anything at all, you should have a plan in place. I agree. I think if you think you don't have any assets, think about the fact that you may have a checking or a savings account. Uh, you own a car, maybe a home, maybe you have life insurance or furniture, any personal possessions, really. If you have assets like these, you need an estate plan. Yeah, and you mentioned life insurance. And, you know, we need to have life insurance. If you're single, uh, maybe not to the same level, because if you have no kids, no dependents, you're not married, maybe have a small policy in place just to take care of your burial, to take care of the arrangements that would happen with your family. Right. Uh, but beyond that, if you're married or you have kids, you absolutely need to have life insurance in place, typically up to around 10 times the amount of your income, mm -hmm. but it can vary. It depends on how much debt you have. It depends on other factors in your lifestyle. And so you need to have probably at least up to 10 times of your income set aside in life insurance so that when you pass away, that life insurance pays out and is able to take care of your kids, uh, your spouse, and allow them to continue on the lifestyle they had before. Yeah, that's, it's such an important aspect of your life. And it does fit into the estate plan formula because really early on in your marriage and in your life, life insurance is probably the largest part of your estate plan. Yeah, absolutely. I know for Ashley and I, it dwarfs anything else that we have as far as assets. If we were to both pass away today, uh, our life insurance would be dramatically larger than any physical things that we're leaving behind. Yeah, and that's normal because it takes a while to build up assets, even pay off your home and really build the assets that's over, overshadow or um, be more than what a typical life insurance would be, especially if you're getting the life insurance to replace 10 years worth of income. Uh, anywhere from 600000 500000 That's that's quite a bit. So. so, Leo, what is an estate plan? Like, how would you define this? Because I feel like when people first hear that word, it's a little bit boring and a little bit confusing. Yeah, it can seem a little bit overwhelming. But really, an estate plan is simply a plan for how your assets, all that you possess, will be managed or distributed after you're gone. Uh, no doubt you've heard of a will. A uh, will is one instrument you can use to direct how your assets will be handled, but a better instrument is a living trust. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we continue the show, but it's a better product because it protects your assets, uh, which is what you and I are really after. Yeah, that's really good. So it's important to understand what an estate plan is. And then, Leo, why should I have an estate plan? <laughs> well, aside from the financial benefit of having an estate plan, the most important reason is to protect your family. Uh, we've all heard of a family squabbling over mom's and dad's estate. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to hope that your heirs will play nice, 
Um, why not guarantee it? Why not have a plan that's going to specifically divide up your assets uh, in the way that you think is best? Yeah, your your life is not a lifetime movie. Uh, you're not in the cinemas, and you don't want it to be like a movie where the family gathers around in the lawyer's office, and for the first time ever, the lawyer begins to explain what mom and dad wanted to have happen with the assets. Mm -hmm. And all the kids are waiting, and you see them facing each other from across the boardroom table, mad at each other when, oh, Johnny got the car, and Susie got the house. And no, you don't want that moment where a legal expert is having to explain to your kids or to your family or to your friends how you want your stuff distributed. You would, more importantly, take the time to sit down with your family over the dinner table and share what's on your heart. What do you want for your family when you're gone? Uh, set time where you gather everyone, put them in the living room, You know, make a cup of coffee, have some ice cream, and share. Share the legacy that you want to leave. Don't leave it to a legal expert to read out for the first time. You should be planning this all along and then put the legal document in place mm -hmm. so that they know what the exact plan is and so they don't get mad at each other. They can point and say, okay, this is what mom or dad or this is what my brother or sister would have wanted, whatever your situation is. That's great. Not having an estate plan you know, it really puts the pressure on the family to divide up your assets. And even if your family is in great relationships and everybody gets along, really in a situation where they just experience your death, having to um, go through that and trying to decide what did dad or mom want? Should you know should this item go to so-and-so or should it go to, to the other sibling? And, and it's just not something that needs to be guessed through or fumbled through. It's something that can be very clearly directed. And that's really what an estate plan does. It specifically lines out exactly what you want and how you want to distribute it. So it's an important uh, document that you need to have. Yeah, it creates healthy communication. And if you study people who are really good with money, this is what they do. Mm -hmm. They always have a plan in place and they're communicating that plan. And there's open, healthy conversation around finances. There's not a, a fear of the future or this closed-minded idea that, oh, I'll let you know what you get when I'm gone. No, there's a communication of, hey, I'm entrusting this to you. And I have some expectations of what's important to me. Uh, but then again, once you leave it to somebody, it's theirs. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so what's the difference between a will and a trust? A will is a legal document that sets forth your wishes regarding the distribution of your property, the care of any minor children. But this will, it's something that you put typically on paper, uh, typically in a very legal form or fashion. Honestly, in a lot of states, you could actually do what's called a holographic will, where you just write out your last wishes. Uh, maybe you could even write it in the dirt. <laughs> you, know, you could write it uh, on the wall in paint. Now, it's not the best way because it's very easy to legally contest that. You want to have it inside of a, a legal uh, format where it's signed and it's been notarized and there's people looking at it as you're doing it so that it is a legal document that stands. But a will tells you what you want to happen after you die. Mm -hmm. And it goes into effect after, after you, you die. die. <laughs> so this is something that the people around you are going to read and say, here's what this person wanted. Now, the living trust is a living entity. In fact, it's called a revocable living trust because you create it. And when you hear the word trust, almost think of like a treasure chest. This is an entity in and of itself. Uh, so you personally are an entity. There are corporations that are entities. Right. Well, as you create this living trust, you're creating another entity mm -hmm. and you're beginning to put your stuff into that entity. Yes. 
Now, in that entity, you could add a will that will direct what will happen with the stuff that's in it. Inside of that entity, you could have medical directives. And this is something that's revocable, so you can change it any time, but it will set up who has power of attorney if you become incapacitated. Yes. If you're medically injured or hurt or in a coma and you can't speak on your own behalf, well, now we pull out this document in this treasure chest and basically they say, okay, here's what David wanted to have happen when he was in a coma. He wants to go for at least three months before we pull the plug. Uh, He wants to leave the choice to his spouse and then Ashley can choose what happens to David. And it's clearly written so that nobody can get mad at Ashley because she's given the authority or the person that you choose is given the authority. And so this living trust is a separate entity where you then begin to put your house, your car, your bank account into this entity. Now, if at any time you want to revoke the living trust, you revoke it, you close it down, you pull all that back into your name. But while it's in this third entity, this little party over here, now you have the ability to pass it on to others even after you're gone. Something happens to you. And now that becomes an irrevocable living trust. It's now standing forever. And so you can then allow your assets to be distributed to the people that you want and avoid probate. And I think we're going to break into probate in just a minute. So basically, just to clarify, the difference between a will and a trust is a will takes effect after you die. A trust is living, meaning it's active. And the revocable part means that you can change it. You can change parts of it, or you can just completely do away with it and take all of the assets that were in it and transfer them back into your name or anyone else's name that you choose. Yep. And so the the thing that makes a living trust better than a will most of the time is that a living trust avoids probate because it is an entity in and of itself. It avoids probate court. Now, probate court is a legal process by which the court ensures that when you die, Your debts are paid, your assets are distributed according to your wishes, and if you don't have a living trust in place, then the state is going to go to court and they're going to look at your will and they're going to say, this is what David wanted to have happen, and they're going to manage the process. And that's called probate court, and there has to be an attorney to represent you. Even though you've got this piece of paper that says your wishes, the attorney has to come on your behalf and share. These are the legal wishes. This is why it is legal. Inside of probate, people can go and contest it and say, no, I don't think that was his real wishes. And the probate court system, just because it's in the legal court system of the United States, it can take six to nine months easily for your wishes to be executed. If you've got a revocable living trust, something you can change anytime while you're alive. If you have this living trust, when you pass away, it becomes an irrevocable and unchangeable thing. And it goes right on living and your heirs then take hold of it and they can distribute things out of it, however it is, according to your wishes. And so it goes around the probate court system. It doesn't have to go into probate. Instead, it goes around it because it keeps living even after you pass away. Yeah, that's, that's a great explanation. Um, sometimes people don't move all their assets to their trust. I mean, they can they can put together a trust, but sometimes they don't uh, fully fund the trust is a way to say it. So what, what happens in that situation? Yeah, so if you don't, so we're talking about this, you have a treasure chest over here. It is now an entity. If you don't put anything into that treasure chest, then it may escape probate, but 
it doesn't matter because there's nothing in it. So when your kids go to empty out that treasure chest and distribute your stuff to whoever you've asked them to do that to, it doesn't matter because everything is still in your name and it goes along with the will that goes right into probate. And so if you can avoid probate by taking all of your stuff and putting it into this treasure box, putting it into the separate entity, the entity can carries on the, as soon as you pass away. Now, whoever you put is your, uh, the person to speak on your behalf. Once that person takes control of the trust, they then distribute the assets and they can distribute it however you dictated inside of that trust. All right. So let's talk about avoiding probate. Uh, Why is it important to avoid probate? Well, first and foremost, it can be expensive. Probate costs uh, legal fees, there's executor fees and other court costs. And all these things have to be paid from the assets or by your heirs. So there's fees that are involved. And the more that you own, uh, the more of it's going to get dispersed through probate and the higher the cost is going to be. Because think about it, the more stuff you have, the more contested, the more chance for people being frustrated, and the more time legally it's going to be stuck in court. Yeah, and you're going to have attorneys that are going to represent both interest parties, and they're going to want to be paid. Yeah. And sometimes these probates can last years. Oh, yeah, Literally absolutely. years. And it severely reduces the, uh, or has the potential to severely reduce the assets uh, because of the legal costs that are involved. So that's the first thing is it can be very expensive. The second is it takes time. Um, probate can take anywhere from nine months to as much as two years but sometimes even longer. Your assets will be frozen uh, at least part of the time until an inventory can be made, and then nothing can be distributed without a court or an executor's approval. And this could affect your family should they need the money to live on right away. I mean, think about a husband passing away, not having a trust or a will, and now all of the assets are frozen. They they don't have the money to literally bury uh, this person and to pay the bills and everything else that's going on. So it can be a very devastating situation if a trust is not in place. And certainly the probate process is just going to make it much more difficult. Yeah, because think about it legally. uh, Let's say that someone passes away. All their bank accounts are in that person's name. Mm -hmm. So when the spouse goes to the bank and says, well, I need money to pay for this person's funeral, the bank says, well, your name's not on the account. Legally, we can't give you the money. And then, well, no, no, I'm married to this person. We held everything in joint ownership. Well, it's not on the paperwork. And if it's not on the paperwork, now go to court and prove it. Well, now the spouse ends up in court trying to get money to pay for the funeral. And that's going to take weeks, months, multiple months. And so the ability to actually even just pay for the funeral could be halted because everything's frozen in bank accounts. Everything's frozen in brokerage accounts. It can be a huge mess. Yeah. The other reason why uh, you want to avoid probate, it's because it's public. Uh, Probate is a public process. Uh, So anyone can see what's what you owned, whom you owe to, and who will receive your assets. Uh, This exposes your heirs to unscrupulous solicitors. This happens a lot with older women who are yeah. left by their husbands, and pretty soon they have people knocking on their doors that um, have terrible intentions, unfortunately. So yeah, it well, can think cost- about it. I mean, you, you think about if you have somebody who the husband, maybe in this situation, managed all the finances mm-hmm. and left 2 or $3 million in life insurance, mm-hmm. and now the wife, for the first time ever, has two to three million dollars under her control, which maybe they didn't even have that much in their own, you know, savings. Maybe yeah, this is all life good, insurance. Yeah. Well, now she's managing more than they ever managed together, and she's managing all of it on her own. 
And that's public information. And so now a salesperson sees, oh, well, Susie Q has $3 million and she's never managed money before. That is ripe pickings for a mm-hmm. salesperson to sweet talk that young lady <laughs> uh, or, or man, if it's, a, if it's a reverse situation, to sweet talk that person and say, hey, I'm, I'm the person that can help you manage this. I'm the person that can help give you the product you need to make sure you're safe. And there's been a lot of heartbreak over poor products that have been sold in that process because the information's public in the court system. Yeah, and it can very easily uh, be portrayed as something that is good for this person. It could right. be if it's an older woman that now her husband passed away and she has this 2 to $3 million, a financial plan may come along and say, hey, the, I have an annuity or something that you could put in there and you have money for the rest of your life. You never have to worry about it. And it could be at a very high interest rate. It could be something that's very costly fees-wise. So it's, it's unfortunate that people do not think about the the consequences down the road. They just think, well, you know, whatever's left over, my my, my heirs will, will manage it. They'll figure it out. And I've, unfortunately, I've had friends who have made this statement, like, eh, it just goes to the kids equal parts. And it just, what it says to me is that they don't really fully understand the consequences of not having a proper plan. So it's important to have a trust. It's important to, to have an estate plan. And a trust is a better plan for that reason. And it avoids probate. That's one of the reasons why you want to avoid it is because it does have this consequence that can be very devastating for your family. Yeah. There's another option here that we haven't talked about. It's if you don't have any plan in place whatsoever. It's called dying intestate. And that's without a testament, like intestate, without a testament of what you want to happen. The Mm -hmm. will is a testament to your wishes. Uh, A living trust is you creating another entity so you avoid anybody else having to decipher your wishes. It's already there in the entity. But if you die intestate without a testament of what you want to happen, now it goes into the probate system and the government decides everything yes, because they have a plan in place for what happens to their citizens if they die without a plan. And this is unbelievable. I mean, your kids, the government can decide where your kids go if you don't have that written down somewhere and have that plan in place. That's a scary thought. Yes, it is. It is. And also the other part of it is the federal estate taxes can be extremely expensive on an estate plan. And uh, they will have to be paid in cash, usually within nine months after a person passes. So a living trust gives you the capability to control and manage your assets so you can legally reduce or eliminate estate taxes. That's one of the benefits of having a estate plan is that you can pass on more of what you have earned throughout your life to give to your, your kids and your grandkids. Yeah. And this is interesting. I mean, we're talking about the estate tax. So do you realize this, that when you pass away and it, it is on a certain dollar amount, you have to have over, over a certain amount of money for this to kick in, but you've paid taxes your whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you paid property taxes, you paid federal withholding taxes, you paid capital gains taxes, you paid gasoline tax. You've paid taxes your whole life. You've already paid taxes on all the money you've earned. But when you pass away, the government again wants to take another 35 to 55% of your assets after you die. I mean, it's just... Should not be legal. Yeah, I understand why the government wants to do it. I don't understand why we elected people that allow the government to do it. (laughs) And I also don't understand why we let them do it when we have vehicles like this in place that we can... Yeah, use, right? that, that's the good thing is that there are ways to handle this, yes. but you have to have the plan in place. So one way to reduce estate taxes is to reduce the size of your estate before you die. Uh, 
um, spend some of it. Enjoy part of your assets, what you have amassed all your life. Enjoy it, especially later in life. Um, spend some of it and give some of your estate to your heirs before you die. Uh, you'll experience the satisfaction of seeing your gift bless your kids or your grandkids or perhaps even a nonprofit organization, something you won't be able to do or experience if you wait until you die. So if you're able to do that, if you have enough assets that you can still live off of and begin to give some of those assets away before you die, that's a better better way to go. Yeah, this is so good. Um, I don't know who coined it. Maybe it was Ron Blue, but I think he said, do your giving while you're living so that you'll be knowing where it's going. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and, and if you give it while you're living, then at least you know exactly what's going to happen to it. So we, we love the idea of having uh, a living trust in place so that you've got it all planned out and it avoids probate. But you can start giving some of that today. And you can legally give $14,000 a year to as many individual people as you want. Mm -hmm. So if you've got grown kids that are managing well and they're healthy, and you know that injecting $14,000 of cash into their life will benefit them and not harm them, then why not think about giving to your grown kids $14,000 a year, to their spouses $14,000 a year? That means that if your kids are married, that family unit could increase by 28,000 and it didn't affect your taxes at all. It allowed you to lower your estate. Uh, that's really, really helpful. Uh, be thinking of things like this, giving to a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. Find something that you're passionate about, that you love, where people's lives are being changed, where people are being healed, where the broken people are being brought back together. Find things that, that really stir your heart and give to those causes. Because once you're gone, uh, you know, it's not yours anymore. It's now in the hands of other people to distribute. And that can be a scary place. Yeah, that, I love that, David, because part of living a good life, I believe, is to be generous. I think it's what gives us um, really joy and fulfillment in life is to be able to care for others and give into nonprofit organizations that are changing um, so many things in the world. That's, uh, that's a great way to use your wealth. So why not do it before you pass away to ensure that the work is being done today rather than 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now? All right, so here's another reason for a living trust, and it's to provide full control of your estate. As the trustee of your estate, while you're alive, that would be you, you can manage your assets as you wish. The trustee you designate will manage your estate after your death, ensuring your wishes are carried out, and all along your assets are protected and guarded against unnecessary expenses. Yeah. So the trustee, this is a person who is trusty. I trust this person. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're alive, you trust yourself. So you are the trustee tr entrusted to manage this living trust. Wow. That's I good. said trust a lot there really fast. Now, when you pass away, there's a new trustee and that is a person that you trust to distribute. That's the legal language that you'll see on these documents. That's great, David. Now let's talk about one more benefit to a living trust and that is the customization of distribution of your assets. Through a living trust, you can designate who will receive your assets, who will receive your retirement benefits, and the proceeds of your life insurance, and so many other very specific things that you can designate to whomever you want. Now, you can direct the guardianship of your children, especially if any of them have special needs, to whomever you think is best suited to raise them. Don't leave it to the government to take care of such a delicate matter. If your children are minors or young adults, you can coordinate the release of funds over time. You can have the funds released from the trust based on a timeline, 
and the financial maturity of your children. David, I remember when my wife and I put together our first dress, our kids were, gosh, I think Rachel was 10 and Courtney was 8. And I remember that we thought through, what are we going to do if we pass away in the next two to three years? Before they're old enough to be on their own, before they were old enough to manage their own money. So we picked a, a trustee, someone we trusted, and then we put very specific directives in the trust that said that at, at a certain age, they would be given enough money to be able to attend college. And then at a different age, they would be given another portion. So we really kind of divvied it out up until about the age of 35. At 35, the funds were fully released, but we recognized that if we gave the money between 25 to 30, there may not still be enough maturity for them to be able to manage that much money. It was funny because my daughter, Rachel, said, you literally put a parental block on your money. I said, yes, in, in a sense, we did because we want to make sure that the money was going to be a blessing to you and not damage you. Yeah, because if you give kids access to a ton of cash too early on uh, and they don't have the maturity and responsibility to manage it, it's only going to harm them. And so it's so important. And that's one of the huge benefits to this living trust setup mm -hmm. is that you set up this other entity and you've entrusted someone to distribute money out of that entity. But that entity can come with rules that say, hey, even as you distribute money to my heirs, it has to be at age 18 and then wait another five years at age 23 and then wait another five years at age 28. I mean, you can you set up the rules so that you have the ability to protect your family. Uh, you want to do it open heartedly, but you also want to do it with healthy boundaries. So, you know, in conclusion, an estate plan is for everyone an estate plan, make a plan, put a plan in place. Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying. That's the most important piece of this. At the very least, you should have a will. Yes. You should have something written out and it should be legally uh, strong. You know, get it done with an attorney or do it online uh, in a legally binding way. But a better option is the living trust. Uh, although it's more involved, it typically is a little bit more expensive don't let that stop you. The benefits are way more mm -hmm. than the expense uh, in the moment. It provides more protection and flexibility and allows you to manage your estate well. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, please rate it, review it, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play so that it's easier for more people to find us and benefit from it. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, find us and follow us. Find us on social media, Facebook or LinkedIn. We'd love to have you be a part of the personal finance conversation that we get to have every week. Uh, when you can, find the show notes, look for more content, and jump onto leosabo.com to gather lots more information that'll help you on your financial journey. And as always, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. Federal estate taxes can be expensive, anywhere from 35 to 55 percent, and they must be paid in cash, usually within nine months after you die. A living trust gives you the capability to control and manage your assets so you can legally reduce or eliminate estate taxes. 